Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this week's episode of Unwritten. I guess it's fair to say that you never know what you're going to see when you walk inside the Pirate Clubhouse on game day. And earlier today, we saw Starling Marte playing the accordion. Uh, behind the scenes look here. This is an exclusive? Yes, this is an exclusive. The dance party. This is what happens after a Twins win. Which team makes Lockhart's Mouse the worst? I cannot say that. <laughs> the clubhouse in Fenway Park is... One of a kind, very unique. It's got that old historic feel to it. You kind of have that feeling of Ted Williams was in this locker right next to me. Every Major League Baseball stadium has an inner sanctum, the clubhouse. And most things that happen in the clubhouse stay in the clubhouse. But today we're going to take you behind that door. My name is Ron Darling, with me is Jimmy Rollins, and this is Unwritten from Odyssey and Major League Baseball. Jimmy, when you have 26 professional athletes basically living together for six months, I always tell people, you know, <laughs> you, you, you spend half your time with naked guys. That's how it is. But you need some <laughs> unwritten rules to set the tone. We're going to define those rules of the clubhouse today and put them in context. But first, set up the scene for us. When you walk into a clubhouse on game day, what's going on in there? Like it's uh, 2.30 in the afternoon for a night game. Well, you know, Ron, two thirty is very early for me. Okay, I, I would not be in anyone's clubhouse. You know, <laughs> every once in a while, you know, I get there early just because it was like it's a boring city, and there wasn't much to do. And truthfully, you get to the clubhouse, it's the same thing. There isn't much to do. You get there, um, you say hello to the manager, uh, you say hello to the coaches, and and what I found is this: is that the earlier you got there, the more of the personality of the coaches you got to see. Uh, because you rarely get to see them interact with one another. Because when we show up, you know, hitting coaches, you know, ready to go over the pitcher, yeah. defensive coach um, is ready to talk about positioning, uh, pitching coaches engaged with the pitcher and catcher, and the managers in his office, you know, maybe talking with the GM or, uh, you know, talking with a pitching coach, you know, who do we have available today, how many innings, et cetera, so they can have their own game plan going. Uh, but like, like I said, when I got in, I would see them interact with each other. It's like, wow, like, I don't think I've ever really seen this, how they sit there and joke. They have their inside jokes and how that relationship is. It was just for me. It was out the players, you know, relationship in the clubhouse because we're the ones that are playing the game. The coaches just tell us what to do and the manager is steering the ship. And, and that's how it was. So that for me, that's that's what it was. One thing that I never felt comfortable doing, I don't know how you were, 
is even if I had permission from the player was to go into another man's locker. Oh, that's so true. It's like, I don't know what they have in here. If they're hiding something, if it's something that, you know, they don't want anyone to see or nothing at all. It was like, I know I have permission to go in your locker. So I, I had the authority to, but it was still like, let me look for what I need, what I asked for specifically first so i can go directly to that get it and come out and it was like i don't want to know you know and <laughs> and it was just one of those things i yes. never and for me it's like i didn't care if you went in my locker if i told you to go 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 get go get it get whatever you want find it but the other way around it, it just felt weird to go into another man's locker you know it's it's so true and on the major league level probably not that big of a deal but i think it starts in the minor leagues yes because there's a lot of guys in the minor leagues that I don't know. Let me just say a fact. There's a lot of like thieves. Thieves, in the minor yeah. Leagues. Straight up. I remember I was in an all-star game and I pitched just the first inning. I got done. I came in the shower or whatever. And one of the players in the game was going through the valuable box. Yes. Like, he literally was in the valuable box. And I remember saying to him, and he ended up being a really good player. I remember saying, and I didn't know what to say. And I like, you know, for the grace of God, it, it came in, you know, into my voice. And I just said, listen, I did not see a thing if all that stuff is put back. And mm -hmm. he put it back, and there was no harm, no foul. And, uh, I mean, I'm saying that the story here, no one's going to know who it is, whatever. But um, that's when I was first introduced in the minor leagues, that mm -hmm. guys, like, you know, you're supposed to put your money there. I, I, I was always afraid, like, trying to hide it in my locker or whatever. And then when you yep. get to the big leagues, you keep the same thought, right? Yep. And, and you know what? I that's exactly where it came from. I'm glad you, you brought that story up because how many times in the minor leagues you go into a place, hey, and everybody gets paid the same day. That's right. So you know what the envelope looks like. And it was like, hey, put your envelope away, you know, you know, wherever that is, you know, don't let anybody see. Definitely don't leave it out. Yes. And and your mind is like, really? Someone on my own team would take the money or someone that works for the staff would take the money that's like right. What is this? This is professional ball. I'm supposed to be able to get the stuff. This is my locker. No one messes with it. Don't violate, you know, my stuff. And that is what it is. Yeah. You know, I, I could leave a gold brick out. You better not touch it. It's mine. <laughs> it's right. in my locker. That's, you know, this is this this is a family. We're all together. Like, <laughs> where are you going to go? If 20, 23 guys are out on the field and there are two inside the locker and we notice between y'all two, y'all have it. So what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, like, like you said, if you return it, no one's going to say anything. We'll all close our eyes. That's right. That's you right. guys figure it out and put it outside and we'll, hey, this is mine. That We don't care. You know, you ask, why would someone do that when everybody's getting paid the same amount? Unless, you know, as we call them the bonus babies who <laughs> has millions of dollars. But why do you want to mess with him? You want to befriend him. He is going to take you out to dinner. He might buy spreads. That's right. You don't want to steal from that guy. But it definitely starts in the minor leagues of learning to put your stuff away. And then, you know, honestly, about year, it, it took a few years, about year four. Then I was okay. Like, you know, I'm, yeah. I, you never want to leave money out, but that's just beyond. Sometimes you come in, you take stuff out of your pocket, just place it there, and you run somewhere else. That's right. And you should be able to do that. I used to put it in the bottom of my shoe, then the socks in there. <laughs> Underneath like, the insoles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just jam it in there. Um, right. <laughs> so when you come to the uh, Big League Clubhouse, I think I'm trying to think of the unwritten rules because it's, it's really your home. And one mm -hmm. of the things that used to bother me was, um, and, and, now I'm part of the media, so I'm very cognizant 
of not lingering or hanging around. If I need to come in and talk to Jimmy Rollins, I come in, I ask someone, is Jimmy near his locker? A lot of times in today's clubhouses, no one's really near their locker. I said, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to ask him one question. They said, cool, I'll go up there and ask you a question, I'm out. But I never lingered. That, that used to be mm-hmm. my big bugaboo. You'd be yes. standing there and you're getting changed and it's an intimate thing anyway. Yep. And everyone's just standing in the middle of the room looking at you. Um, an unwritten rule for me is get the hell out of the clubhouse. But that's part of what baseball is. Yeah, you, you have to have, you know, your your local beat writers, um, whichever city you're in, then the guys that follow you, follow the team. And you build a relationship with the guys that follow the team. But they're like, you know, unwanted cousins that are always in <laughs> your house. And, that's right. you know, some days, you don't mind seeing them. It's like, ah, you know, such and such is here. Oh, cool. You know, they in, in New York, she was saying, well, you don't re- you don't read the articles. You, you just don't good or bad. You don't read them. Every once in a while you hear, hey, did you see what such and such wrote? Like, <laughs> no, I, I really don't. And I really don't care. My job is to play baseball. Uh, but, yeah, you walk in and sometimes you just want to, want it to be quiet. Yes. Just you and the guys. Everybody understands the mood of the team. Like we had a late flight and, you know, look, we need every ounce of energy at 705 or whatever time the game's going to be that day. And you walk in and they're there and, you know, they're big old smiles. They're waiting to get to you. It's like, yes, I'm, I finally get to ask you these questions. And you're like, bro, or, or ma'am. Not like, today. Oh, that's no, that's nope. <laughs> period. Nope. It is not happening. No. And they have to do their job. And as being a professional, you have to do your job. So you have to muster the energy, you know, the mental energy. This isn't a physical thing. It's mentally. Right. After muster this energy to one, dodge your, your, your questions that I'm not going to like, but still answer them. Uh, give you the narrative. I'm, I'm going to tell you what to write. You can ask the question, but I'm still going to tell you what, what to write. Um, and then regrouping yourself to say, okay, what do I need to do to get myself ready today? So yeah, and and although I'm, I'm I guess I'm in media now. Geez, that sounds weird. I know. It does, I guess I'm in, <laughs> I guess I'm in media now. But even when I show up, when I'm not in media, when I'm working, you know, as you know, Dave's assistant or just a team ambassador, I'll go into Phil's office. I'll go into the manager's office. I'll put my head in the clubhouse, see who's in there. Like okay, you know, and and then maybe just walk by, come around the backside. Once I see where that person located, go directly to them, say hello to a couple guys, and then I'm out. I mean, if I if I spend if I spend ten minutes in the yeah. clubhouse, that's probably about three to two to three minutes too long. But if I'm having a good conversation and I feel like you know I'm engaged with this person, I'm not going to cut it off. Everybody sees it. I'm literally here for that. Then it's fine. But like you, is I understand the dynamics of it. Like you don't linger, you don't hang out. This is their space. We're former players. We don't want to be the old guy on the couch. Like, bro, your, your time's up. Or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, get out of here. I, I saw David David Wells after he was uh, working for us at TBS. He once in uh, went in and was eating the spread after the game. I thought that's uh-huh. that's out of bounds, man. kind of keep a dirty locker. Tommy does a really good job, our clubhouse guy, of helping me out a little bit, but there'll be a bunch of just old batting gloves just collecting in a corner, where instead of me just like throwing them away, I just put them in there. I'm like, Tommy, don't get rid of them. They're good luck or something. I love the clubhouse kids. They were my favorite, um, because you forget sometimes the clubhouse kids are 
I don't know, um, 16 to 20. You're 22 mm-hmm. to 25. They're not that much younger than you, and they're doing some of the worst jobs that anyone uh, could ever have to do. Yeah. Um, we we had one of the kids who would get kind of um, kind of uppity. You know, he'd, he'd always feel <laughs> like he was one of the players. You know, and he'd be high fiving and you know fist bumping or whatever. And when he would get a little uppity, we would go on my team in '86. We go, you know, don't don't forget. At some right. point, you're you're cleaning someone's underwear. You know, right. don't get crazy <laughs> right. about it. Right. Right. But, but the clubhouse kids are for the most part, almost all of them, sweet, work way too hard, um, and you forge a relationship where at some point, I always did this anyway, I would gravitate to one kid that I really liked, and he, I would pay him extra for all the little mm-hmm. things that you wanted to get done. Mm-hmm. That, is, that, that, that is a great point, and you know, I, I think we often forget about you know, the clubhouse guy, the clubhouse kids that, like you said, and, and in my situation where really I started, uh, I was in the big leagues young, like you, uh, you know, 20, 22, maybe yeah. uh, when I first got the call up and yes, you know, when you walk in, um, you don't realize, you know, that, that these are kids just like you doing this dirty job and you kind of learn to treat them how the older players treat them. And there's, Fortunately for me, we had some, we had a real good group of guys. They did a great job picking out guys that would fit the personality of, of the club. But some guys treated them, you know, as if they were beneath them. Yeah. And you know, when I saw that, and 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 it's, and that we'll talk about that, you know, that unwritten rule. Like, do you address that guy if he's a veteran player? If he's a younger player, you cut it off right away. Yeah. yeah. Period. Like, bro, you're not going to come here disrespecting. You know, our, my man. Remember, they work for you. But when it's an older guy, especially that's one ahead of you. Yeah. You can't. It, you know, yeah, it's like, like, right. do I? You know, what's the right way? What's my relationship with them, etc. But when I would see that, it would make me befriend that person and, and maybe even treat them even nicer because I know how they're getting it on the other end. So for me, I started treating them like family, kind of like kind of like the best friend because you need that. Hey, bro, I need you to go run out and grab this for me. Hey, I left. I forgot to do tickets. Uh, can you tell Frank, who was our uh, you know clubhouse manager, tell Frank I need four in this section or this and that. So and so is coming and, and in the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and they were always happy to do it. And that's the thing. They were happy to do it. Their job was to make sure all you had, all you had to do was worry about playing baseball that day, and sometimes it's like, no, nah, I'll get it. No, no, I got it. I got it, Jim. I got it. I'll, I'll take care of it. And like you say, you give them a little extra tip. You take them to dinner. Our guys eventually they'd always get at least one road trip a year, and they got the pick. It was always Miami, New York. You know, yeah, one of the yeah, great yeah. cities where you could go out and do something. And when they came out, we made sure they had a good time. And and it's a funny part of funny part about it that you know once you get out of baseball, you don't realize how spoiled you are. Yeah, you come in. You know, you sit in your chair. It's hot August day. You drop down like, whew, it doesn't matter when or loss. You just take that deep breath. Take your jersey off. Yeah. Take your socks off. You turn around and it's all gone. And then right. <laughs> when you're done with baseball, you take your clothes off at home. You drop it. And it's like the next morning it's still there. Oh, well, <laughs> all right. I have to do is put it. All I have to do is move it two feet and put it in the basket. But right. you, you, you just become trained. So those guys are definitely underappreciated. But they are an intimate part of the clubhouse oh. that keeps it going they keep it fun uh you need ice cream you like whatever whatever you can ask for 
they'll make sure you have. And and that was their job. And they love doing it. It's kind of like Chick-fil-A. You walk in, everybody Chick-fil-A is always smiling, right? Yeah, yeah. Clubhouse guys, it doesn't matter what's happening personally. When you walk in, their job is to make sure you're happy. Uh, one of our Clubhouse guys, I'm going to tell you the story and you'll love it. One of the Clubhouse guys we had was the best. So what happened is that a certain part of the team wanted after the game for the families to come in to the clubhouse. You know, to come in, there was a back room, kind of hang out there with the kids because they didn't have family rooms in those days, you know? They mm -hmm, just thought, mm -hmm. wanted them to come in and hang out in the back room so that way the players could walk out with them or go and, you know, give a kiss uh, to the, their wife or child or whatever. And I think it was my rookie year or my second year, and I wasn't married until maybe my fifth or sixth, no, sixth or seventh year in the major mm -hmm. leagues. So um, I find out on the bench, I'm sitting on the bench, and one guy goes, hey, they're letting the families in after the game. I'm like, what? And they said, well, they're letting the families in. I, where, I said, where are they going to go? The Jets locker room? This is at Old Shea Stadium. <laughs> and they said, no, no, they're going to they're gonna put them in the mail room. I said, what? So I go, and I, I'm first year, but I, I, I know this stuff is not right. I go to They're the right. clubhouse kid, and I say to him, I said, listen, I think the families are going to be brought into the mail room. Can you do me a favor? Get yourself the biggest box you can get and get all of that mail and get it in that box and out of that mail room. And he did that, and we tipped him the most ever because if yep. in those days, this is before social media, folks. In those days, if someone had pulled a certain letter you could be in a lot of trouble. Uh, from, oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure those letters came with some secret gifts. Too. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> so I always thought that was the, the, the greatest, the MVP of all time of Clubhouse Kids. You know what I, I was thinking about? Um, we were lucky because we had such a, a great group of, of scoundrels. Um, and I remember uh, <laughs> Dwight and Daryl and uh, uh, Dwight Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, and uh, a couple other guys. They had their lockers next to each other, and they used to call it the hood. They loved calling mm -hmm. it the hood, right? Mm -hmm. But there's certain clicks that happen within the clubhouse. Do you yep. think, uh, for the most part, that's a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I'll put it this way. I think for... The non-English speaking players, they need that for comfort. I agree. But you have to make sure that uh, they're not cornered off. Like like we used to call it, you know, La, La Esquina uh, or El Barrio. <laughs> you know, you yes. know, they, you know, and you had basically one main clubhouse music uh, radio. And then over there, they can have their own smaller one, you know, playing, you know, uh, merengue, bachata, yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever type of music they wanted, and, and yeah, and and that was fine, you know, because uh, it wasn't trying to be in the way. It was like we just needed a little comfort, yeah. You know, we already we're, we're still learning the language, but we need something to make us comfortable. But you have to make sure that you know they are in the culture of the clubhouse. Also, you don't want them to isolate. So, uh, the way we had it in Philly, they did a great job of building an oval clubhouse. They didn't want corners because. It's easy to go hide out in corners. Yeah. When everything's round, there there's no corner. That's right. So everything, no matter where you are, everything is part of center, just depending on the direction you're standing in. So um, as far as our Latin players, you know, they were right by uh, the shower door. But you go from the, to the bathroom, to the hallway, and no matter how you looked at it, they were right there in the middle. So we had the barrio in the middle of the clubhouse. But as they got more comfortable, they may have stayed on the same side, but maybe now they're a couple of lockers apart and maybe there's a, you know, a player in between. So 
I never liked clicks. You know, there would be, you know, talking going on. And it's like, you know, don't get me wrong. If there's something that needs to be said, 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 so don't just keep it, you know, within that and start building animosity towards things. Uh, and that's why I feel having the circle of the Oval Clubhouse uh, helped to prevent that a lot. The only guys that I was OK with clicking up were starting pitchers. You know, you guys had your own language and usually that's you're right. clicking up maybe looking at hunting magazines and, you know, <laughs> who you're going to face and, and stuff like that. It was just a different conversation. That's right. Um, but for the most part, I think clicks are not good for clubhouses. Mm. Where's the continuity? Where's where where is, you know, us coming together as one? And but it didn't also to go along with that, if there were clicks, I jumped right in the middle of them. Yeah, I'm going to go yeah. sit down and see what's going on. Like, hey, what's going on, guys? Just throw a little That's Spanish right. out there and kind of right. break it up, you know, kind of break it up. It's like, don't forget, you know, you don't have to keep your circle so tight. You know, there's other guys and, you know, we're cool, too. With that said, it's funny, the stereotype stayed, <laughs> you know, present. You know, it's like, no, don't don't stereotype somebody behind their back. That's right. You know, we all know what the stereotypes are. We look, we're, we're not we're humans. We're not dumb. Yeah. So we, we would laugh and make jokes about it. But that made everybody come together like, yeah, we know how the out, what, how outside world might see us. But when, when we're in here, it doesn't even matter. So we would joke about that to make sure we knew hey, everybody's accepted. Yeah, I love I love that. You, you can say to someone, I know you're in the barrio, but you're a hood guy. Come on over here. You know, those kind yeah, of things exactly. is, yeah. is always uh, opens it up. Do, do, do you remember a a fight in the clubhouse? I had one. Uh, well, no, we had numerous, but I was only involved in one. It wasn't even a fight. What happened is that Ray Knight, uh, who's about as tough as tough can be, was on the training table getting uh, worked on. And for whatever reason, he was needling me. I was needling him back, went back and forth, whatever. And you know how that stuff can just escalate, right? Yeah. Next thing yep. you know, we're wrestling a little, and we end up on the floor wrestling. And Davey Johnson walks in. He says, darling, you're fine. I said, what are you talking about? I'm fine. Ray and I are both fighting. He goes, he's on the DL. You can't be messing around with guys on the DL. <laughs> he ended up finding me $500. I had to write him <laughs> That's a check. Funny. And he said he gave it to charity. I said, what charity? The Davey Johnson Foundation? But anyways, you uh, know <laughs> do, you, I, I, do you ever in the clubhouse with the – with? because there's always guys yeah, who this, just this, get chippy with each other. Right, right. Um, I've seen player coaches get into it because articles were written and, you know, coaches felt the way because players said something and players said something back. And, you know, you see that dynamic going back and forth. Uh, but in the clubhouse, no, I, I, my, this was my last year in Philadelphia, uh, got into it with, um, with Cliff Lee, uh, over music. He was on a DL and, you know, the music just happened to be by my lock is just where it was, it was center center cut really. And, you know, it was open mic DJ. Uh, but you also knew, you know, my, my job is come and get the post of the clubhouse. You know, we come in <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you plan some slow country music when you by yourself, that's fine. But when we all get in here, you know, our culture is we, I mean, you got some hip hop, some reggaeton, yeah. you got some rock, you got some upbeat country, but it can't be the slow, that's, that <laughs> does not make a clubhouse, you know, at all. So uh, as I found out later, he purposely, you know, came in, put on some country music uh, because the day before, whatever happened here, I, I don't remember this in all the way, because for me, it wasn't really anything much. But I came in and the music, you know, just I'm looking, you know, I always come in. I look at the clubhouse. I don't just come in right away. I look at the clubhouse and like yeah. nobody's bopping. Nobody's bouncing. It's just like dead. 
at that point, I'll make a decision. Okay, we need to change the music up and I'll cut it off and like, hey, anybody have any suggestions? You know, so it's yeah. open mic. Um, but he came in purposely put on the slowest country music he could find, knowing that I was going to come in like, well, this this we don't go play the baseball this with that. Terrible. So he, he does it and he comes in, uh, you know, cut it off and he says something. I, I don't even remember what he says. So I wasn't really paying attention. This is what it was. And I was like, man, like, how are you going to decide the music? You, you, you know, you're on an injured list. I, you know, just joking, just like whatever. <laughs> You know, like anybody else has yeah, something of course. You know, to put on. So he took it personally. And the next day, you know, he does it again. And and this is after he, he wants the a second, confrontation. Yeah. This is after the second child was born. So the backstory is, you know, this is the first time the baby slept. And it's like, I had a great night's sleep. Yeah. And I'm walking in. And it's funny because, you know, it's something just like a fifth or sixth sense, like, I feel something's going to happen today. Yeah, you know, yeah, I just, yeah. you know, just, just, you know, you just have that sense. So I came in, but I'm coming off the best night of sleep I've had in months with yeah. the newborn. <laughs> and so I came in and I'm just smiling. I'm like, man, this man, I got the best night of sleep ever. And I walk in, I'm just like, oh, here we go with this damn music again. You know, just really not even thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So sure enough, I cut it off and Cliff comes running over and he's barking. And this is towards the end of the year. And, you know, I mean, there are times yeah. and. At the moment, I'm thinking, okay, he's going off. I have on flip flops, so I don't say anything. Is my back is swimming? I just gently and slowly put my shoes on because you can't do anything in flip flops. Yeah, he was in the gym working out, getting pumped up, you know, just lifting. Which I found all this part about the story later. later you know, right? He was prepared, yeah. and I'm like, you know, you get that sixth sense, but it's like, ah, nah, maybe that's just you feeling a certain way, whatever. But sure enough, walked in, there was the energy, and he comes over and he's barking and he's just going off. And the first thing that goes in my mind is if I finish the uh, season on a DL, that's $11 million down the drain. Yeah. I have to finish healthy. They say, if you finish healthy, your, your option is automatic. It was, you know, it's coming up with my option. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so that's the first thing going through wow, my mind. That's it's crazy. Like, that's like, pretty cool. Yeah. It's like, that, man, yeah. like you're making 33 million and you got three or four years left. I'm coming up on an option. If I break my hand, yeah. it's a wrap. That's right. You know, and I can't get traded. That now we're gonna talk. Well, you know, well, let's renegotiate the option. We're not gonna pick it up, and you know, all these things are going through your mind. Wow, but at the same time, your pride is like, that's right, bro. You're not about to keep doing this. Yeah. This is 2014. We're out of it. It's like whatever. At the same time, so I just put on my shoes and I stand up. And I'm like, and I'm like, okay, now I'm ready. Like you talking and you know barking, but I'm not dumb enough to sit there and do something because anything, anything can happen. You know, I'm looking like look, I've, I've sparred before. I'm like, this is a total different weight class. So yeah. I'm going to have to try to get you down as soon as possible. And we're right here in the locker and, you know, just anything can happen, Ron. That's right. So long story short. <clears throat> so I walk over to his locker and he kids still keeps barking. I was like, talk, you know, what, what happened? You know, and he talked and he said, you know, well, you said this yesterday and I was into my mind. I'm like, you really took that to heart. Yeah. You know, it's like you're injured. You don't have any authority over the radio, period. Any everyone does, except for the guys that are injured. If I'm injured and I walk in, you're playing country and I'm not playing, Hands there's up. nothing I could do. It's, right. it's it's not in there. So uh I remember Marlon Bird after that, you know, he got really upset at the time and and was just like, you know, what you what you all this stuff you're saying to Jay, you're not gonna say that to me because yeah, Cliff went from you know, he went from there to um you know, to, to calm me down and realize in the situation, like it wasn't that serious, but what I got out of it is that he was frustrated 
that he was injured and he wasn't able to perform. Yeah. And I just became, you know, the target that day. And it was what it was. But I mean, friction happens in that situation. It was it was for me, my pride uh, and eleven million dollars. Yeah, you take it. You can have all that pride. I'm I'm going to secure this bag, end up getting traded to the Dodgers, which was uh, kind of something already in the works from about midseason, not to the Dodgers, but a trade. Yeah. And I was like, hey. You got 33 million, <laughs> three times of what I'm making. That's guaranteed. I have an option. So you win, you win, bro. Yeah. You know, um, what happens a lot of times is hurt feelings because certain guys that are on the injured list, they hear people whispering, you know, boy, uh, boy, 33 million, not out there pitching. We need them, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. And then right. one, one comment will throw them for a loop. And it sounds like what it would happen with Cliff. Um, but Makes he, sense. he still didn't have to play that honky tonk. I could never take that. <laughs> you know, when I remember clubhouses, because clubhouses, for the most part, have some of the funniest stories of all time. Uh, yes. When you think about fights, you think of Dibble and Lupinella. Remember when they were in Cincinnati? They had a knockdown, drag-out fight. But I remember little things. Like, it seems like in a clubhouse that there's a birthday cake in the clubhouse every day because there's so <laughs> many people, whether it's the players, clubhouse guys, coaches, that during the summer, almost every day is covered by someone's birthday or something, mm-hmm. right? So there's always mm-hmm. a birthday cake. And I remember Kevin Mitchell, who I love to this day. We had a batting practice pitcher, and it was his birthday. There was a cake there. And Mitch said, why don't you – blow out the candles, and Mitch bent down before the candles, before he's going to blow it out, and you go, damn, that cake's sour. And the guy goes, what? He said, that's sour. And he goes down to smell it, and <laughs> Mitch pushed his head in, broke his nose. There oh, is wow. blood everywhere on the Shut cake. The and I was up. like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'll remember that story forever. How about oh, the, uh, um, the strongman pickup where they have that game where one guy says to two other guys, hey, listen, I can pick you two guys up lying on the floor. Mm-hmm. And some guys always bite, so he'll lie down, he'll lock arms and legs with the guys on the floor, and he'll say one, two, three, and everyone from the clubhouse is spinning, spilling ketchup and mustard and mayonnaise and <laughs> oh, that's w- cool. whatever it is. <laughs> that's cool. I mean, all of those things that used to have in the uh, clubhouse is <laughs> one of the things uh, is, is I miss. Um, there, there are definitely great stories f- from the clubhouse. And, so, you know, um, yeah. one, one, one thing I did like, though, about being in a clubhouse, I mean, obviously, that was showing up to work and, you know, that camaraderie that you have. But you got to see what everyone was interested in. Yeah. And you'd be surprised. You know, they're, they're reading, you know, or looking at or asking about. And it's like, wow. And I would sit there sometimes and I just pull up a chair and yeah. go to the theater. That's right. And, and and learn things. And, you know, they asked me my opinion. I, I have no idea. It's my first time hearing about it. You know, but right. it's pretty interesting. So uh, there are definitely a lot of things that only happen in the clubhouse. You only get to learn about somebody in the clubhouse. Right. If you get there early enough, as we talked about, you know, you really get to find those things out. Right. Me, I, I was really on, on the road. It was better. Um, you have to get in a little earlier on the road because, you know, bus times and yeah, traffic, right. you, ha- you just have to be there at home. You control it yourself. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but on, on the road, I, I definitely, um, 
enjoyed coming in uh, almost later because everybody was definitely whatever they were into they were fully into it it was full board because we had 30 minutes before stretch so they're getting their last bits in i'm just coming in and i get to see everybody how they move uh when, when it was getting close to game time and, and i yeah. really enjoyed that it was like an orchestra you know you, you that's a great point one of the things that i got to see when i wasn't pitching because when you're pitching your mind's in a different place right but when you're mm-hmm. not pitching i remember sitting in my locker and watching all the guys around 6.30 for a 7.05 game, right? So now mm-hmm. they're going to they're go outside, do their sprints, the everyday players, and just watching how it's different for everybody. There's some guys looking into their locker, really intense. There's other mm-hmm. guys doing a crossword puzzle, drinking a cup of coffee. <laughs> There's another guy still playing cards and, and looking at the clock, saying, okay, i got five more minutes before I have to run. It, yep. All the players do it in such a different way. But then you get on that bench if you're lucky enough to ever have this experience and you're sitting with the guys and you're about to go on the field and it's usually the starting pitcher that takes you out. And every time you run on that field, goosebumps. It's just one of the coolest feelings that we as a team are going out there and taking these guys on. And you never know. Three hours later, you could win 11-1. to You could get beat 11-1. to You don't know what's going to happen. You know, you could get... You go four for four, you could go 0 for four with two strikes. You have no idea what what mm-hmm. these next three hours are going to bring. And that is one of the great things of the clubhouse. And um, I guess our unwritten rules finishes with this, is that the clubhouse is a sanctuary for the players with the help of clubhouse kids that you get to know not only your fellow player but your coaches and everyone that's involved in this team and what you're trying to do What the clubhouse serves as, to me, is a cocoon that kind of is going to try to produce this butterfly. Uh, It doesn't always, and very rarely does, but occasionally that clubhouse is going to produce the most beautiful butterfly that's going to play late in October and play in front of 55,000 people. And if you're lucky enough, you're going to have a big fat ring uh, in March or April after that. And um, that's why it's uh, so important. That's why you and I grew up and we loved it. And um, Jimmy Rollins, Ron Darling, Odyssey, MLB. Unwritten. Thanks for listening. Unwritten is a production of Odyssey and Major League Baseball. Our senior producer is Paul Aspen of Odyssey with Ian Kay of Major League Baseball. Lena Glazer is the executive producer of 2400 Sports at Odyssey. Jody Avergan and Nick Trotta of MLB are executive producers. Special thanks to everyone at Major League Baseball and Odyssey who helped make this show happen. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating or a review in your podcaster player of choice. Or just tell someone about the show. For Jimmy Rollins, I'm Ron Darling. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon with more on baseball's unwritten rules.